What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cherry's World is brought to you by Less Is More Events. Get live. Welcome to Cherry's World. I got a treat for you today on Cherry's World Podcast. Mr. Dominic Santana is in the house. You might not know the name, but I guarantee you all know the face. He played Suge Knight in All Eyes on Me. And now, Cherry's World Podcast is about to have all eyes on him because he is in the house and broke me in this man. This is Cherry's World. Making Memories Sale Series. It's a sale that allows families and people in our communities in any city, state, or showtime to attend a series of events at a lower price than most, such as like the Trolls Live, Disney on Ice, the Universal Soul Circus, concerts, sports, and more. Contact Less Is More Events at 202-930-3533. Again, that's 202-930-3533. Visit the website, getlimetickets.com. They're on social media, Facebook, IG, Twitter. Less is more events. Get out and lime. If you're listening to Cherry's World Podcast on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, please give us a five star. Let us know what you think. Leave us a review. I want to hear from you. Thank you. Would you like to advertise on Cherry's World and have your product placed on Cherry's social media for the world to see? Email us now at cherriesworldpodcast at gmail.com for low introductory rates. Cherry's World Podcast. Get heard. Welcome to Cherry's World.
little bias and I'm a fan. We have Mr. Dominic Santana on the line with us. Thank you for calling in Cherry's World. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing? How you doing, doing good, doing good. Ripping and running. Sorry for the delay. That's okay, Dom. This is Courtney. Courtney, this is Dom. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. As soon as I get a chance to slow down, I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Poor baby. I called him on the fly. He got a lot going on. Just go right in. Dom, what the hell have you been doing? I left my boy in Wilmington, North Carolina, who all of a sudden, since I have not seen Dom, he done wrote a movie, produced a movie. He done played <laughs> Shook Knight in some movies, and the man can't stop working. Dope. <laughs> yeah, I've just been uh, taking a page from your book. Uh, the many conversations we had, you know, and just uh, <laughs> progressing. I mean, you know how this business is. You can be chilling one minute and then crazy the next. I am so proud of you, Dom. Thank Seriously. you. I appreciate that. And it, it means a lot coming from you because we've had a lot of uh, uh, just like private conversations about the business and goals and stuff like that back in the day. So definitely. And you imparted some wisdom to me too. So I appreciate that. I don't know if people know that about you, but you're not, uh, we won't say no names, uh, you know, call anybody out, but uh, you're not one of those people who just hold it all into yourself. You actually share your wisdom and you're just open with information so that's very helpful I, oh you're welcome baby thank you i want to go on this journey with you so i got the pleasure of dominic playing my boyfriend on a film that has yet to see the light of day and <laughs> we did have a lot of conversations but i always say that life changes and it comes from manifestation so what changed inside you to make your journey go harder? Uh, I would say, I would say more so um, focus, focus and uh, just really honing in on what it is I wanted and the direction that I wanted. Uh, funny enough, at the time when I got the role to play tonight uh, in All Eyes on Me, which, you know, as an actor, you know this, um, it's, you know, it's always exciting when you get an opportunity to be in worldwide theater. And so, but, you know, leading up to that, it was a process even getting to that point. But my point is that the, the actual audition, the beginning of the auditioning came from uh, an agent, Terrence Hurd, who I was not actually with that long, but I had knew him from another movie I did some years back uh, called Furnace. And he had some clients on that movie. And we met then, and you know, he had been trying to do something with me, but he's out of uh, Tennessee. And so I actually was fed up with the agency I was with at the time, left them, and you know, he had hit me up again and was like, hey, you know, can I just submit you for some things? And I was like, sure, you know, I could use somebody submitting me right now while I'm in between agents. And he was the one who submitted me to play the role of Suge that I eventually ended up going on to get. So yeah, a lot of uh, focus, I'm, I'm a big believer in manifestation. And I think, you know, at the time I just had a lot of noise and clutter uh, that I had to get out of my purview so that I could really focus on the path I wanted to be on. 
you know, I know that you've done all these interviews and we've talked about Suge Knight or you've talked about Suge Knight with a lot of other people, but I want to talk about Mr. Wright because Mr. Wright was your brainchild. Yeah. Can you, now, yeah, am, am I wrong or was Mr. Wright the first script you ever wrote? Yes, it was the first script I ever completed. Unheard of. So how does somebody come up with an idea they write the script and the next thing you know, I got a phone call and it was like, dude, they're going to make my movie. <laughs> well, actually, that's a, that's a funny story, too, because I actually have always had ideas for films. My very first uh, attempt at writing or how I began writing, period, uh, I was doing uh, short stories, like all the way back in high school. I was very good at writing short stories. I would always get good grades on that. But I never had the patience to actually uh, write an entire screenplay, nor did I know how to properly do it at the time. Um, and so I had started other films and just never even finished, even getting halfway through the script. Uh, but at this particular time, I had, um, I had injured my back. And so I had pulled a disc. Um, you know, lifting some heavy thing or whatever. And so I was bedridden for like two weeks. Uh, actually more than that, but it was two weeks before I could get up and actually walk around. Like I couldn't even walk at that time. Oh. And yeah, so for two weeks I was sitting there and I was, you know, I'm a type of person I can't just sit and do nothing. So I was starting, first week I was going stir crazy. And then after that I was like, you know what? I, I'm I'm really big on time for me is my biggest currency. Like I don't look at money as the most important currency. I look at time as the most valuable currency. So as I'm sitting there in that bed, I'm just watching all this waste of time go by. And, you know, I'm like, I got to do something, but what can I do from the position that I'm in right now? And so I was like, let me try this writing thing again. So I got to writing and uh, sitting in my, sitting in the bed with my laptop and I got to about, which you'll find this funny because you know how scripts are supposed to be arranged, but I got to about page 60 and was still in act one. So I knew something was wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, knew, I knew something was off here and I'm looking like, okay, in about 30 pages, I'm supposed to be wrapping this movie up and I have no clue what, where, you know, how I'm going to do that. So then I put it down. I said, you know what? Let me respect the craft. Let me take some time to really start to at least learn the basics. And so I went and bought the screenwriter's Bible, which, you know, that's a lot of us, that's a lot of our first moves <laughs> to go to get the screenwriter's Bible, started reading that. And then I started reading, going online and Googling uh, screenwriters and just looking at their tips and, you know, things that they would talk about on how to move a story. So then I got the general basics down and I realized where I had screwed that whole script up. Um, I didn't realize how much formatting and formula goes into a screenplay. And, but I learned then and gained a new respect for screenwriters. And uh, so then I went back and restarted the film and uh, to, you know, to start rewriting it the proper way. And then it started flowing. And then within a month's time, uh, I was better and I had completed my script. When you, when you said you first um, started writing scripts, what did you use? Cause I, I dabbled in it. I use like this thing called Script Buddy. Just the um, like as far script, as program. Yeah, like what did you use? Like how did you know how to like actually make 
just you know. Oh man, I'm a I'm a a big Celtics lover, and uh, so at the time Celtics was free, and anybody could just jump on and start writing, and it formats it for you. Once you learn all the the buttons, you know, hit tab, enter, where it goes, etc. Mm-hmm. then you pretty much have to just, you can just focus on writing and you just hit your tab and it'll go down to the next proper position for whether you're trying to do exposition or characters, et cetera. Yeah. And I still use it today, you know, to this day, I've written like nine more scripts and I, I always use Celtics. I tried to go to other things, but I'm just so comfortable with it and it's so user friendly. And they've expanded Celtics now that you can do storyboarding and basically run a whole production right out of your Celtic. So for me, that's been the best one for me. Oh. What was it like? Oh, go No, I was just saying I'm so proud of him. Yeah. What was it like um, being on the game? Uh, The game, that was a a funny experience. Um, It wasn't negative at all, Mm -hmm. but it was just, you know, and again, Sherry, you know, um, you know the experience you've had with television shows. Uh, you know, it's the star's house. You know, when you're a guest, because I was guest starring on that episode, and when you're guest starring, it's not your home, you know. And I don't mean like they made me feel uncomfortable because they didn't, but it's just, you know, you're a little bit limited. You know, you don't know how much can I improv. You do, does this director like that? You know, so I didn't want to try to, you know, outdo anybody that was one of the staples of the show. And so that was a real interesting line to walk because, um, I, at the time, I've done a lot of TV as far as I like, guest appearances, but at that time, it had been a few years since I'd done television. And then I was also a fan of the show. And, you know, that was probably, yeah, I want to say that was the first show I did that I was actually a fan of. Like, I watched it before I was booked on it. Yeah. And so that was a little nerve-wracking, too, because I was like, I don't want to be the guy to mess up the game. <laughs> and so... And so and then I'm I'm working with uh, my particular scene was uh, with Wendy Raquel Robinson, who is you know I learned is I knew she was funny just from watching her you know in previous stuff, but Wendy is hilarious, you know, and she's an improv beast, you know. So it was fun working with her, going back and forth, and in actuality, a lot of the stuff that we filmed didn't make it in the final cut. Really? Wow. And so, cause, yeah, because Wendy's such a, I'm, I'm an improvist and Wendy's such a great improvist that, you know, we kind of were just going off and the director was just letting us. And so uh, Wendy, which one part, one of her jokes is in the final cut uh, when she makes a joke about my, cause I have curly hair, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, right out the bat, you know, she starts adding new stuff into the script as actors often do. And, you know, first thing she hits me with is, you know, I, I, you know, we go back to, I forget the name of the town we're all supposed to be from, but, um, you know, we go back to, you know, that town and uh, she, she told me, I see you still rocking that first, that first perm I gave you, you know, so it starts, <laughs> so, so it starts from there and, you know, she's just hitting me with zinger, zinger after zinger, right? And I'm trying not to laugh because it's actually funny. Right. And I have a very, like, crazy sense of humor, and I can improv quickly. But I held back because, again, it's not my show. And so, I didn't, you know, I was like, man, I could hit her back with some real good ones real quick, but then I don't know how she'll feel if she gets pissed off. Now I've ruined the mood on the, you know, on the taping. 
and so I was just kind of chilling. And then uh, the director was finally, after like three takes, he was like, you know, you can throw something back at her if you want to. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Oh, well, say no more. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so then I started hitting her back with fingers, but 90% of my jokes didn't make the final cut. <laughs> but everyone was laughing. We had a good time. So, so I didn't, so that's how it works. So they, so you guys have a script, but you don't necessarily have to stick to the script. You can just kind of free freestyle off of I didn't know you can do that. It depends on who the writers and producers are. Exactly, yeah. So if the, if the writer, like she said, if the writers and producers are cool with it and the director is uh, feeling like what you're bringing uh, with your improv is still in line with what they're trying to convey, then sometimes uh, you have directors and producers who love people that improv, and then you have some, they're like, please don't change this at all. Oh, okay. Like, oh, yeah, okay. That's, that's what they get hired for. So they need their joke to make it. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes they get it all twisted and confused. And because it, I have a short, funny story around that where I went to, uh, I had to read for when this was for the show Ballers on HBO. And it was when they were casting like all the main cast, you know, it hadn't even started up yet. And um, so I went down and I, I read, uh, I'll leave her nameless, but I read with the casting director uh, in Atlanta. And before I got there, cause again, I'm a big improv, so I'm actually more comfortable when I'm allowed to improv than I am when I have to go just exactly by the script. And so, but my agent sends me the info and with director's notes that says, please do not improv, say exactly what's on the script don't deviate from that i said okay and that was in big bold letters so i'm bigger at improv so i was like okay i have to spend my time studying and in a way that i force my brain to not improv and so i'm training myself training myself for like two weeks to do exactly what's on the script do a good job and not deviate from that right <laughs> so i go to atlanta i'm in there with the casting director she's already super annoyed so and again, Sherry, you, you'll understand this. You're an actor, you walk into a room, you already have the, your anxiety a little bit that you're trying to control, but you walk in the room, she's literally sitting across the room in a windowsill looking out the window, and she looks super annoyed. And I'm like, oh God, what's going on? And so <laughs> she doesn't even look at me at first, she just says, while she's looking out the window, she says, please tell me that you know your lines. Oh, and I was my God. like, you're right. <laughs> I was like, well, I did until this very moment when you asked me that. <laughs> right. So, so I flubbed it up, you know, because I could remember everything else, but I could not remember the very first line. But I could remember everything else after that. And so we did it a few times. She got more annoyed. Apparently everyone before me was screwing up their lines. And so she was just top annoyed by this point. And I'm feeling her energy, so it's messing me up. And, um, oh, damn that. I'm going to say it was Alpha Tyler. So I'm in there with Alpha Tyler, and she's obviously annoyed from all the other people and who were not prepared. And, you know, Alpha looks at me and says that we move forward. I flub it up. She gets more annoyed. And then she's like, just take a minute, gather your thoughts, look at it again, and then let's start again. And so I'm like, okay, take a minute, look at it. I get it back, my mind back on track. So we go to do it again, and then I ace it. And she, so she now she perks up. And she's like, okay, thank you. So you do know your lines. I was like, yes, I do. I just had to get it back in my head. And she's like, all right, that was great. Now let's do it again. 
you know, relax even more and do it again. So we do it again. I give her a more relaxed version. She's loving it. So now she's energetic and getting happy. So then she goes on, on the third time after that, once I started getting them right, she goes, all right, now I want you to make it your own and just improv, like put in, you know, just change it up a little bit. So now my brain is locked off because I spent two weeks hammering my brain to lock that side of it off, right? Yeah. So, so now I'm sitting here with the casting director who's telling me to do the exact opposite of what the director's note said. And so now my brain is just like malfunctioning. So we go to, I do it again and I, I just say everything that's in the script the same exact way again. I just change up the tonation. And she's like, that was good, but I want you to make it your own. Like change up the words, add, you know, improv how you see fit. And no matter what I did, I could not pull my brain back into that lane, <laughs> you know, after all of that. So I left out of there and I knew I had, you know, ruined. I knew I was right for the role, but with all of that involved, like it just threw me way off. I didn't get the role. I actually ended up meeting the actor who did several years later. And uh, he's a cool guy, but, you know, I know I would have definitely been better. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm glad you telling this because there's so many people that thinks that they can just, I've I never been one of them, but there's so many people that thinks they can do what y'all do. And oh, I'd love to hear that. It makes me laugh every time. <laughs> to hear, like, you know, in detail, like, you know, how hard it is, man, I, I wow, I couldn't do it. I know I couldn't do it. <laughs> I wouldn't even try. Yeah, when I, when I, yeah, when I break it down, and again, because you're sitting there with a, with a great actress who's had way more years in this business than I have, uh, you know, it's, people think that and they come to me. One thing I hate, and this is for your listeners that are act or, you know, who want to be actors. One thing I hate when people come up to me, it's an instant turn off from me trying to help you do anything, is when people come up to me and they say, hey, man, I want to try that little movie thing, man. Throw me in something. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like what? Wait a minute. So I have to put in 15 years of grinding and dealing with all kind of crap, studying my craft, studying my business, and working that out to become a. Because you're once you get to that level, you are considered a professional. You're an expert. You're supposed to be an expert at what you do, right? And so then you have these people that come to you and they're like, "Yeah, I want to try the little movie thing, man." Or, Right. Now, hey man, put me in one of them little movies. Like, they want a little a everything. Little put me in one of them little, little movies. movies. I go yeah, on the like, auditions yeah. before I get a job. You know how much gas money I spend to try to get a movie. Right. Hey, no lie, <laughs> y'all. Like, like, like prime example. When I did All Eyes on Me, right? All Eyes on Me cost me about three thousand dollars to audition for, Damn. and I had to audition four times. Exactly. Okay. What? So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I had to do the video audition, right? What's called a self-taping because I wasn't in the city they were in. And so I had to do the self-taping. That took, they wanted it loaded up on Vimeo, but Vimeo wouldn't work on my end. For some reason, it was moving as slow as I've never seen. And so the time, I actually ended up turning in that audition four hours later than the time that was scheduled for me to turn it in. So thankfully, they really wanted to see me. But I, I ended up just telling my boy, uh, you know, I was like, screw it. Just take it, stick it on YouTube with a private link. We'll send them that. If they really want to see me, they're just going to have to watch it on that. And so we hit them and they were like, yeah, just whatever. We, we just want to see it. Well, YouTube is fine. So 
they accepted that. And then I had to come in person and audition for the director at the time, who they eventually ended up firing after that. And then the new director came and he wanted to see me in person. So I had to come back again. I did that. And then you have the audition with all the producers, all the, you know, the director, the this and that, and all the casting directors, et cetera. So, yeah. Wait. Four times and, and I just, in flights. Yes, I just have to say, when he's talking about going to the audition, he's going to a different state to audition for these people. Right, yeah. I just want to make sure it's clear. I don't want to just talk about your career, Dom, because I love you as mm. a man. And so I want to give the audience a little bit of a chance to know a little bit about Mr. Santana. Mr. Santana doesn't just have that name because he is from Wilmington, North Carolina. He's got a little Puerto Rican in himself, y'all. <laughs> so, yeah, so my, my father is Puerto Rican, uh, from Puerto Rico, and my mother is from uh, uh, North Carolina. And so yeah, I'm actually from Fayetteville, North Carolina. And that was a transplant to Wilmington where you and I met. So. Now, when you say Puerto Rico, how do you feel about the state of Puerto Rico right now after the hurricanes and them hiding food and supplies from people? Like, does that hit home for you? Oh, uh, yeah, I do. I have family and uh, family, close family and extended family that are still there. And so, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound, you know, negative, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's a travesty because not only because of what, what's happened in Puerto Rico is still going on, but the fact that we're not talking about Haiti or Jamaica or Dominican Republic. We're talking about a, a state that's part, a territory that's part of the United States, right. and it's supposed to enjoy all the support and the benefits of being part of the United States. But under this current administration, they view Puerto Rico as like it's Mexico or something. I mean, even the president, when the hurricane were going on, he, it, the funniest thing I ever seen in my life politically was when the president of the United States said that Puerto Rico's president is doing a terrible job. That was and the I was, I was like, I was like you, really funny. <laughs> you know? Right. It's like the only honest thing he said. You know what I mean? It's like, are you serious right now, dude? You're the president of the United States and you don't know that you're Puerto Rico's president too? No. That's scary. Very scary. You know? Where is your family from? Because I don't know, people don't know that my sperm donor, I call him my sperm donor because he was never really my dad. His dad is from Ponce and his mom is from St. Juan. So where's your family from? Are we related? <laughs> so my father is from Ponce. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, no, we might be related. So uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> I, I doubt it. I think I would have heard of you by now. <laughs> well, before we actually met, I'm sure I would have heard of you earlier in life. <laughs> I hope so. That would be awkward, but it would be fun. Hey, big old reunion, yeah. right? Yeah, it's something new. <laughs> something different. <laughs> so besides from your Puerto Rican roots, I'm gonna change the subject really quick because it's getting kind of <laughs> Dom, did you vote? Were you there Super Tuesday getting your vote on or what? I'm I'm voting every I don't know if you guys watch uh Carmichael, but uh David Allen Grill is hilarious on that and they were talking about voting. He was like, I vote on everything. Even Comptroller, and I don't even know what Comptroller does. 
<laughs> but yeah, I'm a I'm a <laughs> I'm a voter because I'm a believer in being a doer and not just a speaker. So I encourage people to participate. If voting is you know, voting for the president is not participating in our government and in our democracy. Uh, matter of fact, the voting on congressmen and senators are far more important than voting on a president because they, they're there way longer and have way they pass way more policy. But a lot of people don't focus on that. You know, they focus, they only get tuned in when it's uh, time to vote for president. And, you know, my black people, my black and brown people, I love y'all to death. But you got to vote more than just when it's a black or brown person running. Absolutely. Um, the numbers, yeah, the numbers in the last election were so atrocious that Trump, if, if all the people who voted when Obama was running would have voted, all, Trump would have never won because the gap would have been so different. So where he feels like he just completely took it all, he really didn't. It wasn't his ability to win. It was the inability of the voters to motivate, you know, their fellow, you know, voters to get out there and participate when it's, you know, and we, we all know how it is. You have some people that, you know, they're just like when Obama was running, it was like, oh, now I feel like I got a reason to vote. And when he wasn't running, you know, before and after, you know, you have them old old heads and old school folks or our hood folks that's like, you know, they all gonna do the same thing. So I don't care. Yeah, you well, know? I mean, you gotta was, get out there. That was actually their strategy, though. That was actually the the other side's strategy. That I always say this. Well, I can believe it. The Republican Party, they're not a growing party. They they have the same core base they've had since the eighties. What they bake, what they bake. Oh, yeah. What they bank on is that the other side don't show up. So they put out bullshit on social media to make you stay at home, to make you think you don't count. Meanwhile, they're going to show oh, yeah. up all the time. Yeah, like I hate I hate to hear, you know, I have even friends sometimes who say like, man, you know, voting don't really matter. That's what they want you to think. But they already picked for them. That's a lie. You know what I mean? That, that's a misconception. Now, yes, there are a lot of forces and factors that are doing their best to influence the direction it goes in, but your vote really does matter. It only works, the, all the tricks and all that stuff they do only work if enough people don't participate. Now, when all Americans are participating, it's harder to move because the numbers don't lie. You can say whatever you want, but the numbers don't lie. You know, and America showed us, you know, the voters who did vote showed us where they stand because you can argue all day long that, yes, Hillary did win the popular vote, but she only won by three million. Now, that's a lot when it's just three million by itself. But when you look at 60-something million for Trump, 60-something million for her, that's a very small sliver of an edge, you know. And so for it to even have been that close, it really showed me, you know, what where America really stands, or at least half where half of America really stands. Right. And it's that, like you said, it's that old school Republican side that they, one one thing I give them, as crooked as they may be, and the tactics they pull with gerrymandering, redlining, all that stuff, they constantly try in every state. They're doing it right now, trying. But mm -hmm. even, with, even with all of that, one thing I give them, even if they're doing the wrong thing, they all do it lockstep. They don't move from that. And that's the problem, you know, we have on the Dem side. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They do. You know what, you're, you're talking about like the state of what's going on in the world right now. Dominic is a father. He is raising a young black man. 
have you had conversations with your son about the police or race relations or anything like that? And if you did, what did you say to him, Dom? Uh, I haven't talked to him too much because he's eight now. So I haven't talked to him too much about as far as, um, you know, how to deal with police and things like that. Uh, but as far as racial relations, you know, I've touched on it a little bit. Um, he's, I've had to because he's very intelligent and very perceptive. And so, you know, even if I don't talk about certain things, he'll notice it and bring it up. He can understand things. Uh, I don't want to act like my kid is some, you know, so much more special than somebody else's, but he's like unusually really intelligent for an eight-year-old, in my opinion, and those around him. And so he, you know, we have to be a lot more honest with him than you would want to be with an eight-year-old because he understands so much so easily. And so, you know, if his mother and I don't teach him or don't talk to him about it, then we can pick up the wrong understanding. So. I've talked to him about people looking different from him and, you know, how some people that uh, won't like him because of the way he looks, no matter how handsome he is, you know, that's just something that's the way of the world. And I, I break it down for him like this, you know, in, in the world, one thing you'll never get away with is the yin and the yang. There will always be evil and there will always be good. And some people have evil in their heart and they mask it by calling it, you know, oh, I don't, I don't like the way you look or, I don't like this, or I don't like this. This just comes from a place of hate and evil, regardless. If we were all green, there would still be some people that, you know, oh, those people have eyebrows and we don't, so we're better than them. You know, there will always be those people. So I try to break it down in a, a simplistic way that I don't want him to look at the world in, in a negative view, especially so early on. And so I just try to make him understand that, you know, just the way, same way you have those people you will have other people who look like them, but don't feel like them, you know? Absolutely. So you can't group everyone into the same, into the same bowl, but at the same time, just be aware that you will deal with these things and to be a man of character and integrity and, you know, just hold yourself to a higher standard. And he is a beautiful young boy. Beautiful. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. Some of my best work. <laughs> you know, I, I hate to get personal with you Don but we do have a guy that's going to be on the show later and one of the reasons why we have him on is one of the things I especially admire about you your child's mother and you are no longer together but I've never heard right. you utter an ill word about her and I think uh, that is one of the most beautiful things I've ever witnessed as far as your manhood how, no matter what goes on between you guys, how can you speak to the younger generation or the generation of men who are baby daddies and tell them how important it is to respect their baby mama, man? Uh, it's super important. It's super important. She and I, uh, we're, we're peaceful. We have a, a good friendship now. And, but there were times where, you know, especially, you know, how it goes when you're going through a breakup, emotions are involved, they're heavy. You know, the same emotions that made you just love that person and be crazy about them makes you want to just wring their neck. And so you find yourself in a position where it's like, okay, I have to make a choice. Either I'm going to let this continue to devolve or I'm going to, you know, try to keep the peace. And, you know, sadly, you know, with, I remember when I was younger, my mother and father, you know, there was a point in time where they couldn't even really be in the same room together. 
and to even have discussions about us and things like that. And so, you know, that was one thing I never wanted to happen with my son, which was, you know, feeling like, okay, I know my parents aren't together, but geez, they can't even sit down together and talk. I wanted him to be able to see us laughing and hugging and, you know, stuff like that, you know, and so um, I worked really, I mean, it, it took some, it took some putting my pride to the side and putting ego to the side and just really focusing on what was best for him and what example I want to give, you know, to him. And also, you know, for her, you know, because not to be funny, Sherry, so don't jump on me, but women in most cases are a lot more emotional than men. And so when you react with emotion, you know, I'm not going to react that much out of emotion, you know, but the particular woman I was with, you know, she would. And so I could look at that and be a man and go, okay, I know I'm a man. She's a woman. Her emotions are going to be a little more heightened than mine. And so if I react, you know, because emotions, that can be a, a temporary feeling, you know. Yeah. So you might say some things or, you know, act in a certain way that you don't even really feel. It's just in that moment, you know, that's what you felt. And so if I match that and react to that, then I'm only adding, you know, fire to the, uh, adding fuel to the fire. And we, it's both, it's going to destroy both of us in the end. If we just keep going back and forth. And so I was like, no matter what, no matter how it's panning out, I'm going to do my best to at least be the example of the man that I would hope that he would be if he were in the situation, you know? So if he does find himself in the situation when he grows up, you know, if he's out of pocket, I can go to him and be like, hey, do you ever see me talk to your mother that way? Absolutely. We had our arguments. We had our name calling behind closed doors. We had all that. But have you ever witnessed me insult or disrespect your mother? You know, and there's times when me and her were, you know, we were on the outs for real, for real. And, you know, we might talk junk <laughs> when it's just us. But in front of him, you know, we would just operate how we want him to view us, you know, and not be all depressed or sad because his parents don't know how to act with each other. I think that's so and important. So, yeah, and, and bashing, I mean, at the end of the day, that's your child, you know, and you help make that child, and that child is part of you the same way it's part of his mother. So for you to disrespect his mother, I hate hearing dudes disrespect the mother of their child because I'm in my mind and when I'm listening to it, I'm like, hey, uh, did you forget the part about you chose her? They're like, that's right. your taste. <laughs> right? Like, you know, that's your brain, your taste brought you into that situation, right? So you're inevitably spitting in your own face, which is stupid. You know, so why be stupid on purpose? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's so, you know, so, so Because I was just at the barbershop on Wednesday, and I walked in and on the conversation the guys were having, and they were talking about their baby mama. And, and you would think they was talking about a nigga they was in, it, it locked up with the way they was talking about. <laughs> yeah, I've heard them. It's sad. I've heard them. And yeah, and that's, that's a reflection of you. No matter what I ever do, no matter how far away she and I drift. I mean, when we talk nowadays, we mostly only converse when we're talking about him. We don't really, you know, we're cool. But we don't really hit each other out like how's your day and stuff like that. We don't do all that. And so, you know, no matter what she does, it, it, it's a reflection of me, period. That's the mother of my child. No matter how far away I get from her, 
no matter how much we don't speak or whatever, if that were the case, it doesn't matter what you do. She will always be the mother of my child, which is a reflection of me. And so it, you're an idiot to sit there and basically destroy yourself when you do that because that's what you're doing. And vice versa. She's out there talking junk about you. She's only destroying herself because you are a reflection of her at some point in her life. You know how she thinks. Even when you know some of the I mean? reflections is scary, you still got to think yeah. it's best interest at heart. I, I exactly. really, I commend you for that. And I love you for that because I wish more men would show their children them loving their baby's mamas because that's their first example of love, man. Can I ask y'all a question yeah. since y'all talking about baby mamas? Um, Tank what, that? in Atlanta, uh, it was like maybe two or three weeks ago. This is Courtney with the T, Cherry. Uh, Tank, <laughs> Tank, uh, Tank wanted to show love to his baby mom. Now he, he's, he moved on with a, uh, another relationship and his child is older, but he's like, he just wanted to show love to his baby mother. And he like bought her like Birkin bags and like told her to go on the shopping spree. I think she spent like 10 racks. Yeah. And like social media went crazy. Like they not together. That's has nothing to do with his kid. He was just like, yo, I just want to show love to her. You know, she did a good job raising my 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 son or his daughter, whatever it was. And he like went crazy, went crazy financially. Just gave her extra bread. A lot of people hated on that. What y'all? How y'all feel about that? Uh, me personally, man, I commend him. Yeah, I commend him. Um, that, 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 if nothing else showed you the, the kind of man he is and how much of a man he is, that one action right there should have gave you a very good idea of the man that he is. Because again, that's pushing your pride and your ego to the side and saying, what I recognize what you've done for my child far outweighs my own ego. Absolutely. And I want to show you my, uh, just a token of my appreciation because if you've never raised a child on your own before, which I watched my mother do in the three, and, you know, being an actor, I don't have a nine to five like most people do. And so when me and my ex were together, you know, my schedule was a bit different. Mine was more free-flowing, where her, she worked part-time. And so her schedule was more structured. So I found myself, you know, I was like, well, why do the whole, you know, why waste money on uh, daycare? when, you know, I can pretty much have my kid with me, you know, most of the day. So I did the, the diaper changing and the, the making him food and making sure he's good, playing with him, keeping him entertained, also while handling meetings and business, et cetera. So, and that's not, we're not even talking about, that's not 18 years. At that time, I think that was about, what, two, uh, one and a half, two years and of doing that. And that is tough. It's tough. And it, it definitely adds a lot of limits to what you can do because you know like me right now my son lives with her so her day consists of i've got to do this 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 and this oh but i also have to work that around my child schedule where me i financially help provide for him i talk to him all the time etc but I'm, i don't have to worry about that in my day of what's his schedule and then i gotta handle all my business and everything as well and still have some semblance of a personal life. Mm -hmm. So even, even if you don't get along with her, you have to still recognize a sacrifice that she's making on behalf of your child, yep. you know? And it's not for you, it's for your child that you have together. 
And when you have a woman that will do that and do it properly and make those sacrifices and take good care of your child, that's the most precious thing you have on this earth. Why would you not reward somebody for taking good care of the most valuable thing you have on this planet, which is your seed? Sherry, before you answer, yeah. I want to know if you're with a man who decided that you don't have kids with him, but he decided, yo, I'm finna, my, my baby mom just did this, 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 this for my kid. I'm finna give her 10,000. Now he ain't necessarily spent 10,000 on you yet. How, how would you feel if, if this man is, would you he think is, like- if, if he hasn't, if he has not spent 10,000 on me yet, uh, that, that woman was there before I was. You're mature. And she has a child for him. I, I don't, obviously, right? She deserves it. A man is supposed to take care of his family. My brother has taught me. Um, Dom is actually really good friends with my brother, Antoine Tana. It's a man's job to provide, profess, and protect. And just because he's not with his child's mother anymore, his child is a stem of him. She will carry around part of his DNA for the rest of her life. That is his family, regardless. Yeah. That shows me how I will be taken care of in the future. Okay. If I do have a child by this man. Yeah, a lot of women don't see it like that. That's dope that you see it like that. It would make me like him more. Just like I always look at how a man treats his mother. If he's not nice and respects his mother, he wouldn't be nice and respect me. To me, that yeah, would be- you're, you're, talking, you're talking about girls. Women will respect that. Terry's a woman. It's a big difference. Same thing like as boys and men. There's a big difference of yeah. a girl mentality and a, when you come into your full womanhood. And that don't make your man showing a, a token of appreciation to the mother of his child should not make you feel any kind of way unless you don't have control over your ego. And if you don't, then you're still a child-minded like person. Well, Dom and I have had our little incidents, and that's why he told me, hey, 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 don't get emotional. Dom has checked me on my emotional woman side once or twice, maybe three times. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate that. <laughs> this is Cherry's World. Cherry's World Podcast. I'm here to put you up on a little bit of game. I need y'all to support this independent, positive music artist. That's right, something you can play in front of the kids. Her name is Legendary A.T. Terry, and her music is available on iTunes, Google, Amazon Music, Spotify, and more. You can follow her on Facebook at Legendary A.T. or on Twitter at Legendary A.T. One. She got something for everybody. night question have you ever met Shug? no i've never met Shug. actually oh. uh, closest i've come to meeting him was uh i met one of his sons and his uh wife or fiance whatever she is or was that's how, about as close as i've gotten how did you get how did you get to be able to play that role and, and be like you really should like dom is Shug. no i'm just playing dom is not Shug. Dom <laughs> <laughs> Dom, no. What? what I can say is I have met Suge, okay? So on the legal side, Dom is a boss. And so before this whole Suge Knight thing, he still has this boss persona. Yeah. But he has a heart of gold. He's a sweetheart, and he would never do anything wrong to anybody. 
Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, you like no, body actually, though, bro. Well, to be honest, Terry's um, right uh, in the fact that as we dove delved into it, and I really started doing my research and everything else, I did find uh, commonalities with Chill. Uh, like as far as you know, when I found out he was an Aries, I was like, "Oh, this is a rap because I'm an Aries. Mm-hmm. I know how Aries walk around and think. Aries, that's probably the easiest sign if you're an actor and you have to portray a living person or someone who has existed. If they're an Aries and you're an Aries, that's probably the easiest work you can get because Aries are very simple. We are who we are. There is no real there's not a lot of in between or you know you don't know what to expect areas are one of the signs where i i love it because and i say it all the time and some people are like why are you always bringing up being an aries because out of all the signs when you say when someone asks you what you are and you say i'm an aries people just go oh because they already know yeah motherfuckers is crazy you you can't see me dom because you ain't got your camera on but i'm over here holding my head like yo they don't pretend yeah. If you yeah. don't know them, you would think that they have an ego or an air. They don't, but they run very much off respect. And as long yeah, as you have common that. sense and you approach them with common sense, everything is okay. Right. If you if you waver and like you were one way yesterday and a different way today, just don't even go talk to them because it's not it's not going to end right. Yeah, we we say people to be solid from beginning to end because we're that way. It's like. When you meet me, I'm going to be the same dude in a year. If I don't see you for that whole year and you see me again, you'll feel like, oh, this dude is, you know, the exact same. Like, okay, he wasn't certain or faking. Because, no, that's just, you know, we are who we are. And we don't, we like, we're proud of it. So we wear it on our sleeves. Like, yeah, here, this is me. You know, if you like this, then you'll be okay with me. If you don't like it now, trust me, it ain't changing. It's going to get worse later. <laughs> <laughs> And so, and then also we're extreme. And so, but we can be extreme to the good or we can be extreme to the bad. And then there's a side of us where we're rough around the edges. So we're not as emotional as most other people. So there are some things where you might be like, what in the hell was that about? Where I'm like, what? That wasn't a big deal, was it? Yeah. Dom, I can say from, from just being friends with Dom, Dom is like, Hot, cold, there's no in-between. Yeah, there's no in-between. If you're going to do something, do it all the way. Like my mom used to tell me when we, she was raising us, you know what I mean? Don't half-ass nothing. If you're going to do it, do it all the way. So that, that, you know, or don't, how, or don't do it at all. That's how he embodied should. I hate to answer the questions for him. But. <laughs> <laughs> right, and so just like with should, you know, I've been, I've been in positions, like I said, walking around, being in Aries all my life, I know a lot of, I don't know everything he thinks, but I have a good idea from where the core of where, you know, why he has certain reactions to certain things. It's the Aries nature in him. Where, you know, I tell people, you know, with, with Aries, I'll, I'll either be the best friend you ever had or the worst enemy you've ever had. It's your choice. Damn, so it sounds like you it so, like you'd have hung somebody out the window before but by the ankles. No, nah, I haven't. I haven't hung anybody out of a window, but you know, there's been some things. <laughs> Me, but, but, Me. but, but I still love him anyway. 
but then there's a, there's a side of, you know, also being a big man. I'm a, you know, I'm six foot five, you know, wide shoulder dude. So I also know what it's like to walk around as a big tall man every day. You know, that comes with a, a certain uh, behavior because we don't step out feeling like we got something to prove to anybody. We don't step out worried about someone running up on us. So it's a whole different kind of mentality, kind of like the lion in the desert. Because lions aren't really actually in the jungle. So I say the desert. <clears throat> so before anybody listen and comment, like, he said the desert. Yes, lions actually live in the desert. <laughs> but it's like the lion in the desert. I went to, I went to, I went to Africa and I went on a safari while I was there at the end of our trip. And we saw this female lion and we were actually, she had just ate. So we were able to actually get out and go within like five feet of this female lion, which if you've ever seen a wild lion, they're gigantic, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, because the lion is so aware of where they sit on the food chain that they have no fear of you. So as long as they've eaten and they're not hungry, you can walk right up to them and they won't do nothing with you because they know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're not dumb enough to do anything to them. <laughs> so, so they have no fear. You know what I mean? They don't. They don't worry about what you're doing. They know they're the baddest thing out there. And so, and I'm not saying I'm the baddest thing out there. What I'm saying is having that mentality of not fearing people versus you know what a five foot two guy might feel like he's got to you know have a lot of bravado and walk with his chest out all the time because he wants to be noticed and taken serious. I'm automatically taken serious, even if I can. If I'm vicious or I'm a sweetheart or I can fight or I can't fight, people don't know. So I'm automatically taken serious right out the gate. People don't just run up on me. You know, even fans, I laugh because I have friends who are much shorter than me and they're also famous. But I've seen them, you know, people run up on them and they're like, whoa, 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 trying to back people off of them. Where me, people, they come up to me, but they're like, they're a lot more respectful because they, they don't know how I'm going to react. So they come up to me and I'm usually towering over them. And so they come up to me a lot slower than I see people come up to my friends. And they ask, hey, hey, uh, can I meet you or can I take a picture of you? Well, I see my shorter friends are famous. People run up to them and just start doing whatever they want. <laughs> hey, but you know what's crazy? Uh, so are you and Suge the same height? Suge is like the same height as you? No, I believe, Suge, what's Suge, 6'2"? Yeah, he's actually smaller than Dom. Oh, okay, okay. Because I actually met Suge before. and. Um, I was I was drunk. I was drunk as hell. But I, yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> it was crazy how I met. Him. I, I actually showed Cherry the picture one day. I, I don't. I, it's embarrassing, but <laughs> but yeah, he showed me a lot of love though. But like like I wasn't like I wasn't intimidated by him. But then my cousin, he was like, "I right, should let me get a picture." And Suge muffed him and told him like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was like it was just funny like that. That's Dom, Dom is a lot bigger than Chuck. <laughs> Let's just say that. No, you know what, Dom? Everybody, yeah. when they see, of course, the the Shug Knight movie just came out. Is Shug um, a gift and a curse? Like, you know, I'm always going to be that little girl from Punky Brewster. So, how do you feel about people saying there goes Shug? You're like, no, I'm Dom. <laughs> well, no, it definitely has been a gift and a curse, so to speak. More of a gift than a curse, but. You know, there's pros and cons to everything. And the cons with uh, playing Suge, because I played Suge in the movie, and then we had a hit show. I ended up playing Suge, and that did well. So the the weird thing is, 
the younger generations, and it was my boy Wavy Jones that actually pointed this theory out to me, and I was like, you know what? I think you're right. But the younger generations, they they're not as familiar. Like they know the name Suge Knight, but they're not as familiar with Suge as we, those of us who were, you know, around and seeing Death Row in his prime, and you know all the things that were going on. And I was on the East Coast at the time, so you know, Terry, you'd have way more. A better view and understanding of that than me, but still, just those of us who were familiar with Death Row was in the prime, and they were running everything, and so we know. But you have those younger generations who don't know Sug like that. They just know of Sug. They know the legend of Sug, but they don't really know Sug like that. So what's happened is you have people that they see me in the movie, they loved it. They see me in the show, they love what I did in the show, and so when they see me out in public. They look at me and they're like, man, you look just like Suge Knight. Now, if you put me and Suge Knight's picture side by side, we look like we can maybe be like distant cousins or something like that, but we don't look like twins. Dom is way more. And, well, thank you. And I'm not just saying that because <laughs> you're on here. I'm just being honest. <laughs> and so, but what's happened is you have people that, you know, they look and they're like, Suge? <laughs> you know, I was like, you look exactly like Suge and I was like I know because when I first you know when I first got uh, submitted for the role I was like I don't know if I look enough like him you know but I was like damn that I'm an actor I can you know do what I need to do to portray you know and portray it enough to where it's believable and but I was worried about that and then now to go from that to people saying you look exactly like him and I'm like <laughs> I'm like, how? I mean, I'm even smaller. You know, I'm like 40 <laughs> pounds lighter than the movie. And, you know, with hair now, and people still like, you know, and I was talking with my boy, and he was, you know, he was telling me, he worked on Unsolved with me, and he was like, uh, we were out at, in Burbank at a store somewhere, and that happened. And he was like, dude, you know what it is? And Wavy, I think, is like 25, so he's part of that younger generation. And he was like, you know what it is, man, is these people... They didn't know Suge like that. So now that they've seen you play Suge in the movie and in the show, that's the image they have in their head when they think Suge Knight. That's real. And so when they see you, it's like, oh my God, it's you. Like you look exactly like him. <clears throat> you know, or people that don't realize I am the actor who played him and they just see me. They're like, anybody ever tell you you look exactly like Suge Knight? And I always ask, well, where are you, where are you getting that from? And they're like, well, have you seen the movie All Eyes on Me? And I'll, and I'll play along. And like, no, nah, I haven't seen it yet. Is it good? <laughs> and they're like, dude, I'm, they start Googling, like, you got to see this, dude. You look exactly like Suge Knight. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's Suge Knight from the movie, which was me, and I'm an actor. <laughs> I'm not actually Suge Knight. That, and I think also it, it scared uh, some of the industry, you know, like working with people. <clears throat> like when I did Prime Example, when I did Unsolved, you know, I obviously my work spoke for itself and all eyes on me. And that's where they, you know, were first interested. A writer, a good friend of mine, uh, Tess Gray, who's a writer on that, knew me from another project earlier on in my career. And she saw it and, you know, she was like, we need to get him for sure. And so she got that ball rolling with them and they loved it and was like, yeah, let's get him. But they literally flew me out, not to audition. They literally flew me out. I flew in one day and I left that same night on a red eye. But they flew me to LA from the East Coast and uh, we literally sat and just talked for two hours. 
you know, they just wanted to see halfway through. I was like, oh, they're trying to make sure I'm not crazy for real. I get it. <laughs> you know, we're going to be working together for the next six months. They wanted to make sure, you know, what they were getting into. Yeah. You know, like, Terry, you know, you know, film set. These are not, yeah. generally, it's not like big, tough people. So I know they were looking like, man, this is a big dude. Like, we don't know how he acts. And if he were to cut up, who can do anything about it? So let's see what kind of person he is. You know, they, they, they never told me that, but I was, you know, I understood that, oh, that's why I'm here. They want to see my mentality and the kind of person I am for real, like real life. Is he just that good as an actor? Or does he really just act like that? And they found him and threw him in the movie. Nah, they wanted to make sure you didn't walk up in there with a gun and some Hennessy and overturn the table. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, and when it comes to others, other people in the industry, you know, there's roles that, you know, I wanted to go after or there's companies I wanted to work with and they've been so skittish, um, especially after, and I'm not knocking him because I don't know his situation. I don't even know him personally, but, uh, you know, the the last guy that played Shogun, you know, straight out of Compton, he got into some legal troubles and he was getting into altercations and stuff like that. And, you know, all the jokes, this guy, he thinks he's Shogun for real and this, this and that. And that's just somebody living their personal life, but now they're under the scrutiny of the public. But yeah. A liability. From that, right. And so from that, you know, I think, you know, some people, because here, let's talk about, let's, let's add in something to this conversation as well that happens in Hollywood, period, which is, A, if you're a Black actor and you're not like a Will Smith or something like that, and you play, you're playing some kind of either hood or gangster role or something that's viewed as hood or gangster role, they often think that you're just, an actual hood or gangster dude that they plucked off the street that was perfect for this role, but you're probably not going to do much, you know, as a career. And so they have a tendency to think that that's just how you really are. And they don't know if you're a trained actor or, you know, so you kind of get that stigma of like, you know, I, I don't, maybe, maybe he is really what he's portraying. You know, that's the kind of person, instead of looking at you and saying, wow, that actor came in and is doing an excellent job portraying someone else. No, they just oftentimes assume, oh, they went to Hood and found this Hood dude and he's playing a Hood character. So I'm a little nervous because I know at any moment he could start acting Hood. Don't, <laughs> don't like, feel bad. Don't feel bad. Everybody think I'm Maxine, I'm dumb, and I date Waldo. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Courtney. Courtney and I had a conversation and Courtney was like, wait a minute, you're nothing like what I expected you to be like. I was like, what did you expect? That's funny because you're not anything like that character. <laughs> not That's all. not a bad thing. It's just, yeah, you're definitely not any, you're a good actor. Thank you and so much. People, people fall in love with your work and they start, it starts getting hard for them to separate, you know, what, who you are, the person versus the character that they love you as. And then people view you as a product. They view you as like, you know, their car or, you know, their home, you know, an equity purchase where you're, you're, you're important, but you're still this thing that I can treat however or, you know, act toward however, because you're not really a human. Yeah. You know, and that's how people, yeah, that's how people view us. So they, they run up on us, they approach us, they'll stop you to, you know, add, make sure you are who you are. And then turn and start talking to their friend right in front of you as if they're not there anymore. Right. And you're like, okay, y'all enjoy that convo about me. I'm going to continue on shopping for my groceries. 
now, but, what's next for you, babe? Not not to cut you off, but I need to know, like, what what else is going on? What are you writing now? So right now, um, uh, my my business partner, Jason, uh, Jason, he's uh, definitely, yeah. So Jason, uh, we've known each other for years, and um, he went. He decided he originally was an actor, uh, also pursuing it when I was pursuing it in the beginning. And but he decided that he was more in love with the behind the scenes stuff. So he left that all together and put all his focus into learning to produce and direct. And so now he's a bona fide producer and he's produced a couple of films now and uh, documentaries and all kind of stuff. And so we formed up the company Polymark Entertainment. And, you know, we, we were already writing together. And so, you know, we were just like, hey, man, you know, you've got way more power now. I've got way more power now. We've got a lot of relationships. You know, my name is bigger now. Your name is bigger behind the scenes. Let's form up together and make a company. And let's start using our relationships and our status to push the projects we've been wanting to do all along. And so that's where we've had our head is drumming up investors and having all these meetings. And 2019 was like the year of meetings. We were in... Um, you know, like uh, UCT, uh, you know, OWN, Fox, all these different places, Netflix, having meetings. And we first got going, it was funny because we first got going and it was like, okay, I w- we want to submit things. And they were like, no, I mean, welcome and come, you can come and I'll talk to you about how to do it. And we realized we knew nothing of what we needed to know about how to get a TV show on the air. And so we went through a school phase. We were learning having these meetings, being taught by executives who make these decisions to greenlight shows and whatnot, and having that fortunate opportunity. So took that, uh, and then once we figured out how to do everything properly, started making moves on that. So right now, we have uh, two shows in development. Um, one is called uh, Bloody Boston. Another one is a untitled uh, reality show, not the kind of like love and hip-hop, but about an actual person. Um, and then we have, uh, we'll be shooting, uh, we plan to be shooting as long as everything goes the way it is. Uh, we have a film called Vacation that is a very unorthodox and should be a really cool film that we plan to be shooting by June. Um, and then we have another film called The Cube uh, that we also plan to shoot this year. And uh, which I'll be, I'll be co-starring in one and I'll be starring in the other. <clears throat> and so we're just, rocking and rolling trying to get uh, film deals and uh you know trying to get films shot and you know get them distributed etc and just getting more behind the scenes power and controlling more of what we do and because my goal ultimately is to be mostly doing the films that we create you know the films that hollywood doesn't want to create <laughs> you know or come out of that formula of the same old tired formula that they haven't wanted to break from yet uh, but you see people like Jordan Pill has been kind of breaking that mold and showing them, look, this works if you do it right. You know, to give the people something fresh and refreshing. And so that's what we've been focusing on is, you know, just coming up with uh, <clears throat> fresh ideas and content that we can get out there and do, you know, make some really good stuff. So when you have these out, will you come back? You know I will. I'm going to hold you to that and I have witnesses. Thank you so much, Dom, for your time. Appreciate you coming on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And nice to meet you too, bro.
Hey, man, nice meeting you too, man. Big fan. Can't wait for you to come back on, bro. I appreciate that, man. I look forward to it. I'm bringing you guys back from the cruises. Oh, hey. <laughs> Thank you, baby. <laughs> Welcome to Cherry's World. Brought to you by Less Is More Events. Get Lime. 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 This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.